0: I had a friend on social media this past week and I, and I thought they put a a clever idea out there. The question they put on social media was when you think about 2020, what did the year 2020 teach you? What did the year of the pandemic teach you? There's lots of really good answers. Like some of us wish we would have invested in Clorox stock or toilet paper stock or paper towels or any of those things that were flying out the shelves this year. It would have been a really good financial year for you if that, if that was that. Uh, someone else, you know, again, what did the 2020 teach you? Maybe for you, it was learning uh, that maybe owning tigers is a good idea. You might get your own TV show. Okay, come on now. There we go. Uh, someone else said this, someone else said the year of the pandemic taught them that any control that they thought they had was an illusion. I thought, That's a really good statement. Probably the best one I saw, the best thing I saw, what did the year of 2020 teach you? What did the year of the pandemic teach you? That relationships are what is most important. You know, you think about that. That is a powerful statement in itself. This past year, we've been quarantined from friends. We've been prevented from from gathering with, with friends and family over the holidays. We've missed going out to dinner together. We've had sickness that's prevented us from doing things that we normally do. Loneliness and isolation are something that all of us have understood in this past year. In fact, I'd say for many of us, as we look at 2020, and we would, most of us would say 2020 was a hard year, it probably wasn't hard just because of the pandemic. It was hard because we miss our relationships. We miss the people around us that we love. Listen, this is why relationships are so important. They're just significant in our lives. In fact, there's this old Turkish proverb that I thought was so fitting, uh, the Turkish proverb says, uh, no road is long with good company. Think about that. No road is long with good company. Which means, like, like none of us, we like, none of us like going through hard things. None of us would choose to say, I want to go through a, a difficult health situation or a, a worldwide pandemic. None of us would choose that. But I, I've had the privilege of serving for 16 years in full-time ministry. And one of the things I've learned about people is that when you have people by your side, you can get through anything. When you've got community around you, people who love and care for you, you man, it doesn't matter what it includes. Sickness or, or, or death, well, not yours, but someone else. Sickness or, or the passing of a loved one, financial challenges, addiction, all these sorts of things. If you've got people on your side, if you've got people supporting you, man, you can get through anything. But in those 16 years, the people that I've seen get destroyed, most of the time, those are the people that don't have close community, close relationships around them. That's why relationships are so significant. In fact, here we are in January 2021, and many of us, we've got these goals and these resolutions we've written for this year, these different things that we want to accomplish, uh, things that are most important. And after 2020, man, it's kind of dictated some of our goals for this year. Some of some of us are saying, "Man, I want to go. I want to travel. I want to I want to tra- get out of town. I want to go and sit in, in, and and sit, sit on a beach and get sand in all my crevices. I, I just want to go and have that fruity drink in my hand. That sounds like the place I want to be. That's my goal for this year. Maybe your goal is to improve your finances, to improve your health, and these different things. Those are good things, and we should." Pursue those sorts of things. But again, if 2020 taught us anything, why would we not want to prioritize what matters most? And what is it that matters most? We've already identified that it's all about relationships. So if, if, if we're trying to focus on what matters most, why wouldn't we figure out how to improve our relationships and maybe develop some new relationships in 2020, or excuse me, 2021? Because the heart of our life is in our relationships. The heart of our life is all in our relationships. Here we are starting a new series today here at Restoration. The past couple of years when we get to January, we've always taken January to to look at a series that's focused on uh, intentional growth, on discipleship, helping us set some good goals for the upcoming year. So last year, we had a series called The Good Life, where we were choosing, helping us choose what is best over what is good, how we can settle for what's good and miss out on what's best. That was last year. In 2019, we had a series that we called Margin on how we can create margin in our life for God to do some new things, some greater things in our life. In 2018, we looked at a series, uh, that was all about small changes and the way that we think and how they can make a big difference into our lives. And here we are, 2021, still in the midst of the pandemic. And our series this year is going to be, it's all about relationships. Well, we're going to have an opportunity over the next couple of weeks to to, to grow in our relationship with God, to grow in our relationship with others, with those around us. Our text today that Jacob read for this morning was Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, you had the religious leaders in Jesus' day. This is the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're having all of these religious arguments over what's right and what's wrong. They're having these arguments. In fact, you saw in Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, these religious leaders, they're arguing about whether it is right or wrong for religious people to pay taxes to the government. That's their argument. Verses 18 through 27, these religious leaders are arguing about who's going to be married in heaven. What does that look like? And in these arguments, there's lots of opinions. Things probably get a little bit complicated. Uh, People begin to get a little bit nasty with one another. In fact, you kind of hear what they were arguing about. You could almost think that text was written in our day and age today right now, right? I mean, we're not arguing about those specific issues, but what is it we're arguing about? We argue about whether or not it's right for religious people to have to follow a mandate and wear a mask. We argue about whether our uh, politician, our candidate, is more godly than the other person. We're having these same arguments in our day and age. And it's in the middle of these arguments that this is what happens. It says, Mark chapter 12, verse 28, the one of the scribes came up and he heard all the disputing he heard all the arguments and he saw that jesus was answering those questions well and so he asked jesus this question he said which commandment is the most important of all which of god's commands is the most significant now that's a big statement in just the first five books of the uh, of the old testament Genesis Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, there's over 613 commands. Commands that say, thou shall not, we're familiar with those, thou shall not do this, you shall not do that. Commands like, you need to do this, you need to do that. In the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Jan, John, there's over 1,500 commands. So when you look in scripture, there are thousands upon thousands of commands that God gives us. And here, you've got these religious leaders arguing about these trivial issues. And finally, there's this question of substance. Okay, Jesus, out of all these commands, which is the most important? And Jesus never hesitates in his answer. He never hesitates. He says, verse 29, this is what's most important. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And here's the commandment. Verse 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus said, you want to know what's essential. You want to know what's most important. The most important command for us is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. In fact, if you have a Bible in front of you, I would encourage you in your Bible to underline the word love. Because it's significant that that Jesus says to love God. He doesn't say believe in God. He doesn't say just just believe in God. God's God's not looking for just a general belief in who he is. He's not looking for a casual relationship. He says you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's most important is that we actually love God. Now, We have a conversation about love, and it can go a number of different directions. One of the things I've learned in my lifetime is is, is concerning love. Love at its very basic, at its very base, is not an emotion. Yes, there are very strong emotions tied to the word love, but at its core, love is not an emotion. Because if love was an emotion... Then we'd find ourselves constantly on this roller coaster going up and down. We're one moment, one moment, man, everything's good, and we're so we're so loving, we're giddy with how we feel about God. And the next moment we're on the downside of the roller coaster. We're like, man, this sucks. This is terrible. I'm frustrated. This drives me crazy. If love was an emotion, man, we'd constantly be going up and down. There'd be no dependability in our relationships because every moment. How we treated those that we claim to love would be depending on how we felt at any given moment. See, love is primarily not an emotion. Love is a choice. Love is a decision that we make again and again and again. Love is a choice that we make over, over whom and what we will allow to be important to us. That is what love is. And it's based on that. When we make this decision again and again, I choose to love you. When we make that decision again and again and again, at that point, love becomes something we actually do. And so, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How do we do that? How do we, how do we love God? The Apostle John gives us an answer in 1 John chapter 5. He says, if you're going to love God, we need to obey his commands. See, love is not just the words that we share. Love is not just our intentions. Love is not our beliefs. Love is not our ideas on how it's best to love other people. Love at its core is an obedience to God. If we claim to love God, that means that we have this obedience to him, to his will, to his commands, to his desires. That is what it looks like for us to love God. And again, here you've got these religious leaders. Jesus, what's the most important commandment? Without hesitation, Jesus says to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He actually is going to add to that commandment in verse, verse 31. Jesus says the second commandment is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. No greater There's no greater commandment than these. What Jesus is trying to say was when we're trying to understand what's most important, what's most important for us, first, is that we love God, and secondly, equally with it, is that we love other people. That we love our neighbor as ourselves. These two things are equal. This is what it's all about. This is, what the, this is the heart of God. This is what God wants. This is why God put His creation together. So that we, the world, we could receive and trust His love then be able to share that love with one another, with the people that God has put around us. We hear this, and and we hear that Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, and the question we always want to ask is, well, well, who's my neighbor? Like, Like, who do I actually have to love? There's a story in the Bible called the Good Samaritan, and it kind of gives us a glimpse as to who our neighbor is. Our neighbor is not just the people that we like. Our neighbor is not the people that are easy to love. Those people that's fun. I enjoy doing that. But the story of the good Samaritan, it expands that so much more. That our neighbor is whoever God puts in our life. And I would even say this, I'd say especially those who are different and who are difficult for us to love. That means for you. Who's your neighbor? It might be your literal neighbor your little neighbor who has a different political sign in their front yard than you do, your neighbor who doesn't take care of their property and it becomes the eyesore on your street, that would be your neighbor that God calls you to love. Who might be your neighbor? Your neighbor might be your coworker or your boss who constantly talks behind your back and says all sorts of trash about you. That might be your neighbor that you are still called by God to love. Who might be your neighbor? Your neighbor. Your neighbor might be your child's teacher or coach, the one that your child doesn't like because they pushed your child to be more and to do more. Your neighbor might be your ex. It might be that person who hurt you, that you are called by God to extend grace and love to. See, when we look at this command that Jesus just gave us to love our neighbor, I mean, isn't it so important for us to hear that in our day and age? I mean, we've come through, in many ways, we are still in maybe one of the most divisive times in our country, in the history of our country. We have faced these these incredible hardships politically and through the pandemic. In the midst of of all that's happened around us, what's happened is so many of us, we have a desire to feel right. We want to be right. Right? We want people to see that we see things right. We want people to know, man, I see things right. You need to listen to me because, man, I'm the one who understands everything perfectly. And so what's happened is in the midst of this season, we are quick to argue with other people. We're quick to talk and not very quick to listen. We're quick to spout our opinion. And what's happened is now we've come to the point where we begin to dismiss people who think differently than us. It's led to tribalism. Are you with me or are you against me? Do you see things my way? Did you, you vote my way or are you on the other side? And it's like this tribalism where you've got Christians, you've got brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we are as Christians. Scripture says that we are brothers and sisters in Christ and because of our differences, we're deleting one another on social media because I don't like the way that you think. I don't like the opinions that you spout. Listen, Scripture says as Christians, we are to be known by our love. As Christians, we're to be known by our love. And if we're going to love our neighbors, if we're going to love one another, if we're going to love our community, it probably means that for some of us, we have to make a choice. We have to choose between being right and choose between being righteous. We have a choice to make Will I choose to be right or will I choose to be righteous? Because those two things all don't always go together. To be right means my voice has to be heard. It means I have to have the last word. I will dismiss somebody who is different than me because they're wrong and I'm right. But to be righteous, to be righteous is to take on the mentality of Jesus. Now, if anybody, if anybody had a claim to be right, it's Jesus, right? That is the Son of God. That is God in the flesh. Like, he's more right than any of us listening to this today. But Philippians chapter 2, which is my favorite passage of Scripture, Philippians 2 says, even though Jesus existed in the form of God, which means he was more right than any of us, he surrendered his right. He took on the form of a servant. Not because he did anything wrong. He was whipped. They took that crown of thorns and they pressed it down onto his head. And while the soldiers are doing that, they're mocking him. In fact, they hang Jesus on the cross and the soldiers are mocking him and saying, Jesus, if you're a king, save yourself. Come on, Jesus. If you're so right, then do something. Man, Jesus had every right to defend himself, he did nothing wrong. And Jesus was faced with this choice. Will I choose to be right or will I choose to be righteous? He chose to be righteous. He chose to be obedient to God. Maybe that's just a word for us this morning. Are we more focused on being right? On being heard? On validating our thoughts and our opinions and our convictions? Or are we actually choosing to be righteous? To actually show love and concern for those people around us? See, here's, here's a big idea. Here's what Jesus is trying to help us understand in this passage. Is we consider, when we consider this life, when we consider our faith, Jesus wants us to know it is all about Relationships. Our faith and our life, it's all about relationships. It's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. That is what is most important. That is what we ought to be prioritizing. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be in this series and have a number of conversations on how we can prioritize growing our relationship with God and how we can prioritize growing our relationship with one another. And we'll come to a climax on January 30th, the week of our annual celebration, where we kind of will have an opportunity to uh, give a message I'll call the state of the church. Maybe to challenge our church to figure out for us to take the next couple of steps, for us to, to accomplish what God wants us to do. Man, here's what we need to do relationally. But all of, that, all of that is rooted in what Jesus is trying to say to us today. That our faith and our life, it's all about relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And this is where we come to the point where we we'll say, okay, that's a great, I, I understand, it's all about relationships. But what do I do with that today? Listen, I've got just a couple of points of application today for you to to help grow your love for God and love for people. Number one is that if we are going to to love others, if we're going to love God, we've got to learn to give better attention. If we're going to grow in our love for God and grow in our love for others, we've got to learn to give attention. Psychologist uh, Scott Peck, who's the author of The Road Less Traveled, talking about love, he said this, He said, the first rule of love is to give attention. The first rule of love is to give attention. To love is to pay attention to those who we love, allowing who they are and what they think and what they say to be important to us. That is the first rule of love. If you're going to love someone, then you're going to give attention to them and allow who they are and what they say to begin to be important to you. And he continued and said, the most important part of paying attention is listening. Here's what that looks like. Here's what it looks like. If our relationship with God is what's most important, if our relationship with God is most important, that means that we're going to give careful and personal attention to what's important to God. We're going to listen to him. We're going to say, God, you've given us this word. You've given us this book. And if you're most important, I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm going to give you my attention. I'm going to listen to what it says. Which means that we as Christians, we're going to allow his thoughts to be the most important truths that we seek. We're going to try and live out and understand his commands for us, even on the days that we don't feel it. Even on the days that we don't want to. Even when it disagrees with what we think. We're going to choose to give attention and to listen to his word. And as we do that, as we give attention, and as we listen to it, man, the love that we have for God becomes an action. It becomes just something that we do, where we do what God tells us to do. We are obedient to what he asks for us. Let me just ask you this. Do your views, the way that you see life, does that filter how you read Scripture? Or do you allow Scripture to filter and to change the way that you live? Are you actually giving attention to God and to His Word? and Allowing His Word to be the truth for you to seek, to understand, and obey? Listen, if we're going to love the people around us, It means we've got to begin to give attention to them. Which means if we're going to give attention to the people we claim to love, it means we've got to start talking a little bit less and listening a little bit more. We've got to take an interest in other people's life. We've got to hear their story and try and understand why they see the things the way that they do. Listen, this is how we love one another. This is how we influence one another. It's not by talking more and spouting our opinion and trying to convince people the way that we see things. You give them attention. You listen to them. In fact, the best example of this, just from my own life, my story, my dad died when I was nine years old. And after my dad died, there were three men. Three men who, who, who mentored me through my teenage years. Three men that were, were, were just giant role models for me. And as I think about I think about those relationships with those men. I can't tell you much of what they said to me. I don't remember much of what they said. But what I remember is how they paid attention. I remember how they took an interest in me. How they cared about what I thought. How they cared about what I said. How they took an interest into what was important to me. How they did their best to to, to know me. And all these years later... I haven't talked to those men in a long time, but I can remember very clearly and very vividly how important those men made me feel. How I felt loved by them because they gave me that attention. They listened to me, they took an interest. They did more listening than they did talking. And those men had a tremendous impact on who I've become. Listen, if we are going to to, to love God and love others better, we're going to grow in it. If we're going to give God our full attention, that means we've got to give God our full attention. We've got to give our attention and begin to listen to God. Not approach Scripture and say, I've got the answer. I'm looking for something to tell me and to validate how I feel. But no, I'm going to allow Scripture to change the way I think and to change the way I see the world. That's the first thing. If we're going to grow in our relationship with God, we've got to, to give better attention. But the, next, the second thing, if we're going to grow in our relationship with God, if we're going to grow in a relationship with one another, if we're going to grow in how we can love God and how we love others, number one, we're going to give better attention. And number two, we've got to believe and experience God's love for us. It's the second way that we're going to grow in our love. In fact, the book of 1 John chapter 4 it says, we love because he first loved us. Which means that our ability to love God and to love others, our ability to love God and love each other, is rooted in us experience God's love for us. And how did God love us? Here's how God loved us. God chose to love us despite our sin, and despite our rebellion against him. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Says Christ proved his love for us. Christ proved his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. See, Jesus had every I mean Jesus could have chosen to be right. He could have said, Listen, I don't deserve the punishment. I don't deserve to go to the cross. I don't deserve to, to suffer. He could have chosen to be right, but instead, he chose to be righteous. He chose to love us. He chose to go to the cross in your place. He chose to pay the penalty for your sin. Which means that God chose to count the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. So that we could be loved. So that we could be forgiven. So that we could be redeemed. So that our eternity in heaven could be secured. Listen, Jesus, God, they didn't love us because we're so awesome. They didn't love us because we have so much to offer. They didn't love us because of all the things we've done for him. They loved us despite the fact that we are sinners. Listen, when we actually experience that kind of love, not based on anything we've done, but based on their choice to love us, when we walk in that love, man, that is what gives us the ability to love God and to love other people. That we can love someone who isn't perfect. That we can love someone who makes mistakes, oftentimes big ones. That we can love someone who views things politically different than we do. Because Christ has chosen to love us even when we didn't have it all figured out. Listen, we have an opportunity to choose to be right or choose to be righteous. What's your choice going to be? Are you going to be attentive to God and to the people around you to listen and to know them? Listen, here's the thing about the love of God. That's what I understand about faith. We can't lose our faith in God. When we've placed our faith in Jesus and we've become a Christian, nobody can take that away from us. But if we're being honest, most of us, we're kind of like little kids. You know, with a little kid, as a parent, you you give them a bedroom, a safe place, a place that they can feel secure. They've got their toys. They've got their clothes. They've got their bed. And as parents, we come in, and we tuck our kids in the bed, and we tell them they're going to be just fine, and we turn out the light. And what happens? Those kids are like us. They forget. I'm scared. I'm scared of the dark. I can't see. I don't feel that safety. They're still in that safe place, but they forget it. Isn't the kind of the way with us where we forget the love that God has for us? This is why the love of God has to be trusted again and again and again. The day after day, we have to remind ourselves of the love that God has extended towards us. To remind ourselves, man, I am loved by God. I'm forgiven by God I'm redeemed by God I've been made a new creation by God we remind ourselves again and again and again of God's love for us and as we continue to trust in that love as we continue to receive the love that God has already given to us that's what gives us the ability on a daily basis to continue to love God to continue to give him that attention, to continue to love one another even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Because we are reminding ourselves again and again and again that God chose to love us when we didn't earn it, when we didn't deserve it. And if he can love me like that, then certainly, then certainly I can love my neighbor like that. Certainly I can love my coworker like that. Certainly I can love my parents my child's teacher like that. Listen folks, as we think about 2021 and what would change? What would change in our world? What would change in our lives? If we understood what Jesus was saying, it's all about relationships. It's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. What kind of things would we be willing to set aside to continue to pursue those relationships? We pray for us.